This podcast is brought to you by The Empowerment Project. Research proves that empowerment self-defense training makes you safer, period. I want you to have a great self-defense toolkit so you can create strong boundaries, speak with confidence, and take up all the space that you deserve in the world. We'll hear stories from survivors and find out what worked for them and why. We'll interview leaders in the field and talk about tips, concepts, and really easy things that you could do to make yourself safer and interrupt the cycle of violence. I've taught self-defense classes for over 30 years, and I promise to teach you everything I know. Ultimately, I'm going to want you to get some in-person training, but a great empowerment self-defense class is more than just the physical skills. The list of things I want to teach you is endless, so let's get to it. My name is Sylvia Smart, and welcome to The Empowerment Project. My guest today, Clara Porter, is a -a one-of-a-kind human being. Luckily for me, she became one of my mentors as I worked my way through the Empowerment Self-Defense Instructor certification process with the National Women's Martial Arts Federation, also called the NWMAF. Clara was patient and kind, challenging and honest. She holds her Master's of Social Work degree, and she's the Direction of Prevention, Action, Change in Maine. She's a nationally certified instructor in empowerment self-defense with the NWMAF herself, and she's also certified through the Center for Anti-Violence Education, and she's got well over 20 years of experience in the field. Clara has worked as an adjunct professor in the School of Social Work at the University of New England. She was the coordinator of interpersonal violence prevention at the University of Southern Maine, and she was the executive director at the Sexual Assault Support Services of Midcoast Maine before focusing full-time on prevention action change. Clara is certified in advanced trauma first aid and has an extensive experience working with organizations and people of all ages, including folks with physical, mental, emotional, and developmental challenges. I invited Clara to be a guest instructor at my self-defense teacher training program this past year, and she was an immediate hit. Clara is one of the kindest and warmest people you will meet. Healing trauma through empowerment self-defense training takes a special gift, and Clara's got it, and she shares it freely. She's here to share it with us today. Welcome, Clara Porter. Thank you. It's great to be here with you. It's great to be here with you. And I would love to start by asking you just to tell us a little bit about your journey. Like, what inspired you to get involved with the field of social work in the first place? And how did that cross paths with the whole empowerment self-defense movement? And how did those two things intertwine and come together for you? Big question, but tell us everything. Yeah. um, Well, jobs in social work really grew out of my activism, um, which at the time was really around um, domestic violence and violence against women in general. And I started working in a a safe house, is what we called them at the time, um, for women who were experiencing abuse from intimate partners and um, 
just became really interested in that work and social work itself, I think is a very flexible field and degree. So, um, I was always interested in equity and in really empowerment with women. And that then, you know, really made the connection with empowerment self-defense when I, when I became introduced to that. One thing that always made me uncomfortable with social work was some of the, the power issues. You know, you're advocating for someone often rather than with someone. And, you know, I could make a call and get someone a service or a, or a benefit when if they called themselves that program or that institution wouldn't respect their voice. Right. So I was always uncomfortable with that dynamic. And so when I was introduced to um, Empowerment Self-Defense in, I think it was 1994 or five, um, that's what I really loved about it, that this is um, very horizontal, right? It's we all have our own experiences. We all have things to learn from each other and teach one another. And that was very attractive to me. How did that come about? Like, did you take a self-defense class or were you training martial arts and you started to learn about it or did someone tell you about it or how did that come about? Yeah, I was actually at a street fair in Brooklyn where I lived at the time and um, Brooklyn Women's Martial Arts had a table and uh, I saw a flyer for taking a uh, women's karate class and took the class, fell in love with the place, the people and the martial art and, um, and started training there. And, uh, after a year, uh, folks could then take their empowerment, self-defense teacher training class. So I signed up for that and then just started apprenticing with them and learning more about the system and, and teaching and training um, for the next six years until I moved to Maine and was forced to start to start teaching on my own. Because <laughs> you loved it. Yeah. And by that time, had you already gotten your degree in social work or was that all kind of happening at the same time or how'd that go? Yeah, I had been working in social work for quite a while before I moved to New York. And then um, I was actually in a master's in social work program when I started taking karate and, and was introduced to empowerment self-defense. Got it. Yeah. Thanks. That helps us know a little bit of, you know, your background. And then, you know, we know that sexual assault and violence can cause a lot of harm, trauma. Mm. What's your understanding of this trauma and how people can experience it in their lives and their bodies. And how did you come to that understanding? Because you've got a really fascinating, I think, perspective on this that I'd love for my listeners to learn about from you. Yeah. Um, thank you. It's, you know, certainly I've learned about trauma just over the years of um, working in the domestic violence movement and then in um, programs to prevent and respond to sexual assault specifically as well. Um, also from my own experience and my own journey and healing. And, and then, you know, having the opportunity to take some more training myself, you know, after the master's program, 
Um, the training in trauma first aid was really excellent. And that unfortunately is no longer available, but it, it really exposed me to things that I knew, but hadn't been able to express yet mm-hmm. that things like, you know, trauma lives in the body, not in the incident or the experience. So you and I could have the same experience. We could witness or be in a fender bender, even with each other. And we might react to it completely differently based on, you know, our biology, our history, even going back generations, all of those things impact how that experience is going to affect me. And I think the way it works in the body is really important to understand vis-a-vis why empowerment self-defense works right? Um, to, to help with healing. Because, you know, those kind of events, particularly an event like a sexual assault, dysregulates our nervous system so much that, you know, we could get to a place where we're completely overwhelmed and our body will go into a freeze response, which is super smart, right, on our body's part. It's our body trying to take care of us. Right. But when you have that experience of going to freeze, sometimes your um, body won't then regulate itself after the fact. So you get that charge and your sympathetic nervous system charging, but your parasympathetic nervous system doesn't fully discharge. And so you're kind of stuck in this state of, you know, arousal activation. Um, And you might experience a lot of situations where you, you know, dissociate or kind of check out for a while. And I think what can happen is that when we're really easily activated, or some people say triggered, um, you start to, you know, fear that response, and you kind of make your life smaller, so that you're less at risk of that happening. So you avoid situations or people or Um, conversations or places even. And I think that's one of the impacts that's really among the most damaging to folks' lives. Absolutely. Living in fear and pulling inward and narrowing and tightening and making smaller. Yeah, absolutely. And you said something interesting too, uh, because a lot of times in my experience, people who have had sexual assault experiences in their lives and maybe experience that freeze Mm -hmm. can see that as their body betraying them. And what you just said was that this is one of the ways that our bodies actually protect ourselves. Could you just talk a little bit about that and dispel that? Yeah, sure. Um, You know, we know that these are automatic responses, right? The fight, the flight, the flight, and then if neither of those is available, are the overwhelm is such that we'll go into freeze. And freeze is like an animal you know, playing dead. Um, the predator is no longer so interested. And that is a very smart strategy in nature to survive, to get through to the other side of an event. And you know, so we'll talk about that in class and just normalize things like this is normal. Your body did what it needed to do. Um, and I think that can be, you know, a, a huge aha for a lot of folks 
um, because we spend a lot of time blaming ourselves and, and society doesn't help with that, right? Because <laughs> there's a lot of blame out there, all the questions, all the you should have. Or, and I think that's one of the powerful things about empowerment self-defense is there are, there are no shoulds, there's no always, and there are no ever, nevers, you know? It's your own experience and how you choose to, to act in response is, is all good and all right, always. Right. And the way that you talk about freezing is taking that disempowered feeling of like, mm. I didn't do anything. I just laid there and took it and yeah. turning it into like an empowerment statement. Your body was doing what it needed to do in that moment to protect you, to keep you safe, to keep you alive. Yeah. So let's talk about empowerment and empowerment self-defense because this goes hand in hand with this. Those of us who teach empowerment self-defense know, have seen, have experienced, have witnessed that this training can be incredibly healing for survivors. In particular with this trauma, this withdrawal from life or this fear about things that many of us have lived with. I can't go there. I can't do that. Oh, that's not going to work for me. I can't right. travel by myself. All the things I can't do because I'm afraid. And it takes these things and flips them on their head. So could you talk about this from your perspective as both a social worker and a self-defense instructor? What's your experience of this? Sure. Yeah, I think empowerment self-defense is well, it's powerful for, you know, lots of different reasons, but um, one of them, I think, is how we start out. So in every class, the teacher or facilitators really work to create this container that's going to feel safe or safer for participants, you know, talking about confidentiality and having choice in everything you do. You know, there's lots of ways to participate and watching is one of them. Um, you know, trying to stay in your challenge zone where we learn the best, you know, moving out of our comfort zone a little bit, but also knowing that um, we can step back when we need to and talking about what self-care might look like. All of those things are designed to, you know, let people and really give that agency to people to control what their experience is going to be. And particularly for survivors, having any kind of control and choice is huge because that most of the time was taken away from them in the trauma they experienced. So I think that's the baseline that we all start out in with any class. Then that's just super, super important. And I think then the other piece is that everything is rooted in the body. So, you know, all of the pieces that we're teaching, whether it's a verbal skill, we're always reflecting back on, you know, connecting the face, the voice and the body language. Um, we're checking in with how our body's feeling after every exercise. We're doing grounding and centering exercises and kind of sourcing those from the group. Like what do people already do? Um, we're noticing our body's reactions to things and talking about, okay, when I feel a charge, the energy rises to my upper body. So what can I do to get that back into the big muscles of my lower body? Um, those kinds of things. And 
just all of the movement, all of the the boundary setting, um, where we can practice in um, sort of a, a progression of situations. So we have success with giving someone a gesture to stop when they're moving towards us. And then we progress to adding the voice to that and the facial expression and then into scenarios um, and having that experience of someone else listening to the boundary that we set without question, mm-hmm. you know, it was pretty huge. And yeah. having that space to practice that stuff and not having the pressures of the quote unquote real situation in our workplace, but just having, being able to practice lots and lots of different um, scenarios and, and also experience all the ways that our bodies can generate power. That's a revelation to lots of people as well. Right. Yeah. I think one of the things that, that we've seen from pre and post surveys of folks who have taken our classes is that increase in confidence um, an increase in feeling like I have the ability to navigate different situations with challenging people in my life, um, particularly the, the, the people, the you know, category that folks rate the highest is family members and intimate partners, but mm-hmm. also, you know, coworkers and people in the street and lots and lots of situations like that. And think that's important too that we focus on what the data tells us the risks really are for most of the people so you know for women um, and for actually most people in general that's going to be people you know people in your own life Um, but also being pretty specific about so what are the risks based on your variety of connecting identities whether that's um, risks for LGBTQIA folks or people of color, um, you know, all the range of looking at how do we respond to what the real risks are in our lives. Exactly what you just said. And then I want to like add in the catharsis of hitting stuff and yelling. When people think about self-defense, they oftentimes think about hitting things and taking Mm -hmm. people out and knocking them out and um, fighting and all the physical stuff, which is on the rarer end. However, Mm -hmm. in self-defense, empowerment self-defense classes, that can be a catharsis for people in a new way of experiencing their power as well. Absolutely. 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 And experiencing the power of the other people in the class too, right? Mm -hmm. We'll often have people hold bags for one another. So not only am I experiencing my own power when you hold the bag for me, but I'm seeing your, your response, you know, that you might have to step back um, and your power in that you can hold that bag for me. And kind of help me to to practice, and then I help you to practice. It's a it's it's a huge um, revelation, really, for for lots of people. And being able to connect our energy. So if I'm I'm striking with my hand, but my energy is connected all the way to my back foot, and having that connection and understanding the dynamics of creating power with my body is is, um, I think, really transformative 
to a lot of people. We often also will end classes with board breaking. And I, I know that's a very martial arty kind of thing. But, and, because it's an experience of focus rather than power, it's, um, you know, a, a really an amazing experience that people take away from them, with them, from class. I love that. Board breaking is incredibly fun, too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and I wanted to mention also, you know what I love about what you just said, like experiencing other people in the class holding the bags for you or watching them and witnessing that is such a huge part of an empowerment self-defense class where everyone's cheering for you and mm-hmm. witnessing your power. And sometimes the most incredible breakthroughs happen when moms are watching their daughters mm-hmm. or when daughters are watching their moms and they're like, oh, my God. Yep. She's really strong. I didn't know that. And it's really exciting to watch that blossom. That mutual respect. Yeah. Is really so great. I love those classes with parent-child classes where, you know, young people in a group can present their their thoughts and their ideas and their perspective in a way that a parent could really hear when they can't yeah. hear that from their individual child. Right. Exactly. And vice versa. Yes. So it's a that's a really powerful experience for sure. That's where your little social worker skills come in so handy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I wanted to stuff. while we're talking about it, and I, I just feel like we can't talk about this enough. Um, in my interview with Martha Thompson, we really spent some time on this, but I want to hear your perspective as well, which is the difference um, if if a listener is looking for a self-defense class, what are some things that they could look for and why would they want an empowerment self-defense class versus a self-defense class? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the difference and, and how do they know? I think asking questions of the programmer of the instructors is really the best way to find out what you need to know. Um, just like in any of our boundary setting, right? When we ask a question or we set a boundary and how the person reacts to that gives us a lot of information about them. So um, asking questions like, how do you create a safer space for participants? If they don't have an answer for that, do not take the class. Right. <laughs> Run. This is so fundamental. Um, do I have choice in what I participate in or what I don't participate in? Again, fundamental. Um, I, if you have a, a physical injury of some kind, like I have a knee that's weaker than the other knee, I would let them know that and say, so I have one knee that, you know, is less able to handle, um, you know, kicking or what have you than the other one. How are you, how is that going to work in this class? They again should have an answer for that. Um, and an answer that basically that lets you know that it's your choice, that, um, you know, you can make decisions along the way and that those decisions are the right ones for you. Um, that there's not some rigid structure where you, you know, have to participate in a certain way. Um, I think that's pretty fundamental for, you know, if you're taking a martial arts class or, or a self-defense class. Um, those are things that you really want to look for. Um, 
I think those are, are really primary for me. Yeah, that's great. I think like also reading well the website and looking for instances of victim blaming or Mm -hmm. um, shaming or also do's and don'ts, which I think we shy away from. Like, don't go into a dark alley at night or, you know, photos that are fearful. Yeah, definitely check out their flyers and their the images they use. Anything that's, you know, designed to generate fear. is not empowering. It's the opposite. It is completely the opposite. And they're using that as a tool to get you in the door. Yeah. And that tells you a lot about how they might present the material as well. I also look for a class, um, even if they don't call it empowerment self-defense, if it has an equal balance of verbal skills and physical skills, that's a good sign. If um, they're not just looking at street scenarios, but a range of scenarios, including in the home and in other situations with people you know, that's a good sign as well, um, because they're listening to you know what what the data actually says about our real lives and um, what we truly experience. Yeah, awesome. So. We know by virtue of data and statistics that a number of our listeners have experienced some sort of trauma. So I'd love to talk with you about practicalities, like specific ways listeners can grow their awareness about their trauma and heal from it. Taking an empowerment self-defense class is certainly one way. Therapy is another. Do you have some specific advice or cool tools or strategies listeners can use to center themselves, ground themselves, move through their trauma into their healing or great books to read or? Yeah, um, I think whatever you already do to ground and center yourself in the moment when something's happening, just work to build on that. Because we all have tools, things that we do after the fact, but those are often not accessible to us, you know, whether it's listen to music or take a walk or, you know, whatever it is in the moment, those tools are generally not accessible. So thinking about what you already do, what already helps. Um, some folks use deep breathing. That doesn't work for every for everyone, um, particularly for people who have experienced certain types of assault. But other pieces like checking, looking around the room to orient yourself and reorient yourself to the space to remind yourself that you're right here, right now is super important, particularly if you um, have the experience of, of kind of checking out or dissociating. Um, naming objects in the room can be very helpful. So I'll look around and and notice the colors, three different colors in a room and say them to myself. That can be a great tool for just getting back present. Um, and actually a, a participant in one of our classes gave me one that, that I think is super powerful, which is um, taking your thumb and touching each of your fingers on one hand in, in turn. So thumb to forefinger, middle ring finger, pinky. And that can be even more powerful if you add words to it. So sometimes I'll say, you know, I am okay. Or someone the other day um, added, I am right here to that. 
And something you can do, you know, nobody sees you doing it. It's in your pocket, what have you. But that kind of thing, which activates the meridians in your body and also engages the front of your brain, the prefrontal cortex. So it brings you back out of that reptile brain um, so that you're a little more present, a little more conscious, breathing and doing something like that can be helpful. But really anything that you can do to become more aware of what your body's doing and how it reacts to stress. So any of those things like where does where does stress go in my body? Do I feel it in my chest or my shoulders or my jaw or my neck, you know, my belly? We all have our own patterns. And once you start noticing that, try and learn some tools for getting that energy back into the big muscles of your body, into your thighs, your butt, you know, lower in your body to contain it better is really helpful. And I think the other pieces are, you know, when when we think about verbal and how we can learn to take up more space in the world, um, we often talk about all the different verbal diminishers we may use Mm. in email or even in speech saying things like, um, you know, may I ask a question or I, I just, or kind of, sort of, mm-hmm. you know, this I'm might not really sure, but yeah, yeah, exactly. And there are all these cushions around our central message. So I think that can be a good practice piece too, of starting to take some of those away, maybe starting an email and get it down to your core message and just notice how people respond and seeing and noticing that in other people too, because it's that's a common way of speaking these days, I think, is, is using all these cushion phrases. That's a great way to put it, cushion phrases. Mm. And we yeah, really they're, can obscure our message, right? Yeah, they're so. diminishments. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and just one other thing, I think, um, practicing where we want to set boundaries and express what we want, need, and feel in different situations. So whether it's with a yoga teacher who touches without asking during a class, you know, coming in a little early and saying, you know, I prefer that you don't touch me during class or that I am okay with this touch, but not that touch. So where are the points in our lives where we can set some boundaries and gain some clarity about what works for us and what doesn't? That's so great. And starting with the ones that have less punch that are a mm-hmm. little easier and then build as we go. Yeah, it's like working out, right? It's like developing muscles. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And yeah. some, I mean, I also want to just mention that um, sometimes we don't, we aren't even, even aware that our anxiety is ratcheting up or that we're reliving uh, an experience. It's just so unconscious. Mm -hmm. And something that someone taught me one time was to, as an exercise, just set my alarm to go off randomly throughout the day. And when it goes off, I stop what I'm doing and I breathe and I check in with my body and just see Mm -hmm. what it's feeling and where. And that was really instrumental in helping me, first of all, just be aware and mm-hmm. then all these tools are there to work with that. Absolutely. 
<laughs> and how your body reacts to the alarm. <laughs> yeah, like, oh my God, <laughs> what <Right>. time is <laughs> it? <laughs> Notice that. Yeah. Notice so, that. Yeah. Um, that was great. Thank you for all those ideas. And I really want to talk uh, about your program. Your program is called Prevention Action Change. Mm-hmm. What do you do? What is it? And what kinds of things do you teach? Yeah, it's, you know, it is an empowerment self-defense program. So every other class we do is based off of that. So we have lots of different formats for empowerment self-defense training. And then the spin-off trainings from those are active bystander intervention or de-escalation, um, workplace safety, um, identity-based harassment and microaggressions, you know, lots of different programs that, that have spun off of this central core and that still have their roots in empowerment, self-defense. And the, the, one of the biggest programs is our Healing Through Empowerment program, which is a 10-week empowerment self-defense course, which also has um, a lot more time and space around all of the training so that people can experience that in a, in a slower pace um, so that they're you know, practicing that charge discharge in the nervous system. Um, and it has a lot more information about um, all and to help normalize all the different ways that we respond to trauma and work to heal from it. We're recording this during the pandemic and though it's a challenging time, um, it also has given birth to some really cool opportunities. And when you and I were talking earlier, one of the cool things about your program, Prevention Action Change, is that you're on Zoom. Yeah. And so somebody who lives, you live in Maine, but someone mm-hmm. who lives in Florida or California or Texas or Indiana can take your classes. And you were mentioning that probably even once the pandemic is over, you can see yourself embracing this way of teaching also. Yeah, I think it'll always be a presence now. Um, you know, we did a recent class where we had someone from Albania and wow. someone from Ireland and someone from California, along with a whole bunch of Mainers. So it's fascinating. And it also provides access to people for whom, even within Maine, travel is difficult. Um, being in a room of people is challenging. That's going to be challenging for all of us, you know, in the yeah. opening days after, of, of recovery from the pandemic. But um, I think that it really provides a point of access that we haven't had until now. It's opened up a whole new world. It really has. It yeah. really has. It's it's a, a gift in many ways. I mean, I will really be happy when I can hold a bag for someone. Oh, <laughs> I know, and they can um, kick it. Oh, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and it's a it's a great alternative and a and a, a tool in and of itself. What do you love most about this work? You know, I really love the both the aha moments that people experience and through whatever part, because sometimes the verbal is the most challenging for lots of folks, 
But those aha moments of um, revelation of understanding are really powerful. Um, and particularly when they're connected to self-blame. So, you know, the best closing circle feedback I ever got on a class was when someone said, I no longer blame myself. Mm. And that's just huge and transformational, you know. That's great. Yeah. So how can people find you if they want to take your classes? Where do they go? Yeah, we're on the web at um, www.pacmain.com, P-A-C-Main, M-A-I-N-E.com. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, <laughs> et cetera. Yeah, everywhere. Uh, yeah, yeah. And we do, in, in more normal times, we do travel um, pretty extensively for classes and things. And we present at conferences, so yeah, we're kind of all over the place. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, it's been wonderful talking with you. We're kind of wrapping up, but is there anything that we didn't talk about or you feel like you still have stuff you want to say before we close? I think the the only piece you brought up, the training online versus training in person. And one thing that we've learned is that you can receive that same benefit of feeling a greater connection with your body and feeling safer in your body when you're training online as you can in person. I mean, the pre and post tests that we've been doing show that. And so, you know, really don't hesitate to take a class online. Um, it has a lot to offer and uh, it doesn't always have to be in person. That's so great. On that note, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Sylvia. Thanks for hanging. Thanks for chatting. And uh, go find Clara and take some classes with PacMain. Is it .com or .org? It's .com. It's affirmation time. This is how I end every self-defense class. It's kind of cheesy, but it's very cool. And this is how it works. We're going to do like a little call and response. If you can say this out loud, if you can repeat after me, do it, because it's important, I think, for you to hear your own voice. But if you can't, like if you're on a crowded subway or someplace where it's embarrassing, don't worry. You can also just say it inside your head. Okay? So I'm going to say something, and you're going to repeat it after me. I'm going to give you space to do that. And at the end, we're going to say yes. Here we go. Repeat after me. I am worth protecting. I love myself. I belong. I deserve to take up space on planet Earth. I am a strong and powerful person. Yes! Woohoo! And hey, as a wrap-up, will you do me a favor? Will you do all the things that you do when there's a podcast? Like, will you tell your friends? Will you subscribe? Will you come back each week, communicate with me, review this podcast? Like, all those things to help get more 
bandwidth, help more people find out about it. That would be super awesome. Take a deep breath. You are amazing. Thank you for being with me. See you next time. Mm-hmm.